Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The naming of cats is a difficult matter. It isn't just one of your holiday games. You may think at first I'm as mad as a hatter when I tell you a cat must have three different names. There's the name that the family use daily, such as Peter. But I tell you, a cat needs a name that's particular, a name that's peculiar and more dignified. Else how can he keep up his tail perpendicular, or spread out his whiskers, or cherish his pride? But above and beyond, there's still one name left over. And that is a name that you never will guess. The name that no human research can discover. But the cat himself knows and will never confess. His mind is engaged in a rapt contemplation of the thought and the thought and the thought of his name. His ineffable and So first, your memory I'll jog and say a cat is not a dog. A <laughs> so we saw this movie in mid-December. Yeah. Yes. What is it now? Uh, is it? Is it? It's May. It's May. It's okay, May. So we've been yep. obsessed with cats for five and a half months now. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So the Blu-ray just came out. Unbelievable. Oh, the Blu-ray is as surreal as the film. There's a director's commentary. <laughs> There's a commentary for the blind, where a robotic voice says things like. <laughs> A series of high-kicking cockroaches buff me Berkeley around a wedding cake as Jenny Anydots eats them. As though, like, you need, you know, I mean, being blind would be horrible, but a blessing when it comes to cats. Uh, <laughs> no, one needs to, no one needs that description of the fucking horror. You listen to the director's commentary? I've listened to it twice now. There's no moment in it where Tom Hooper ever once, not once, does he ever chuckle and go, oh, this is fucking crazy, isn't it? Like, he just, like, from moment one, the the cat face appears in the clouds and he says, oh, yes, this is a, a metaphor for the deep resonance that is under all everyday objects. It's like... No, it's not. It's just a fucking cat face in the clouds, you maniac. What are you talking about? You know, because this whole time we've been searching for, like, meaning or mm. resonance or, like, oh, yeah, you know, what is what does Buster for Jones represent? Mm. And having the guy who made the film actually articulate it, it's not satisfying because mm. it's just 
Well, you've now just reduced something that's so abstract <laughs> and so open to interpretation <laughs> down to, oh, no, it's just a metaphor for gluttony. It's like, oh, I don't, I don't like that. I mean, it's like if um, on the back of every Salvador Dali painting there was a little <laughs> essay <laughs> that was like, this is actually about how I'm terrified of uh, time and I'm, wor- I'm worried about getting older. Cheers. Thanks for watching, looking at my freaking painting. Love, Sal. <laughs> <laughs> It used to be about why is cats, why does it exist? Now it needs to be... What does it mean? Yeah, why are we... (laughs) When can we stop? (laughs) I just keep coming back to that night. That night that the premiere, we were all fucked up on bubbly and we didn't know what was happening and I know about the Broadway show, I know about the history of all the performances I know all about the characters but nothing has explained that feeling for those two hours I don't know if anything ever is going to because it was just something that you and I experienced but maybe the closest we can get is if we can talk to someone who was they're making the movie. <laughs> if we that's, can, a, that's a big call, my friend. But if, I we don't can know. T- if we can talk to a performer or a creative on that movie, I think that's kind of the, the closest we're going to get to some closure on this. And maybe we need to talk to someone who... Who feels like what we felt. Yeah. Well, there is, a, there is a name that keeps coming up in all the things that I've read over the last couple of months. Uh, there's a, an American film critic who seems to be very much on board with us. He feels elated by the film, he feels sickened by the film, but he's not so quick to dismiss it as the other ones are. Hi, I'm Matt Singer. I'm the editor and critic at the website ScreenCrush.com. So, Matt, tell us about the night you saw Cats. Uh... I don't even, I guess, I mean, the first time I saw it, it was just so bizarre. Mm. I mean, I can tell you even, you know, they did have one, you know, like a screening for press and critics here in New York. And it was an unusual screening because um, they actually served alcohol beforehand, which is perfect. Almost unprecedented, you know, yeah. in a screening. Maybe if you go to a, you know, a big glamorous premiere afterwards, maybe they'll have a party and they'll shower you with, uh, you know, booze or something. But this, this was very unusual to walk in and they're like, "Help yourself to the bar, please, please, please have a drink." Right off the bat, I said, "Okay, so they know something is going on here. This is not." Ordinary. Yeah, we always say um, if you go to a press screening and they're giving you free shit before the movie, <laughs> the movie sucks. <laughs> yes, that does ha- that that happens probably more frequently than than this. The alcohol is very very unusual. So yeah, they they liquored us up, and I just remember it, it j- thinking. You know, because we had seen the, the trailers and things, yep. and, um, you know, it, it, it just looked so bizarre. But just thinking, well, they'll probably smooth out all the rough edges before they let us see it. And within the first three minutes, I was like, oh, no, they didn't smooth anything out. This is all <laughs> the rough edges. This is all weird, nightmarish imagery, yeah. you know. Because yeah. I saw Cats on Broadway years and years ago. At the Winter Garden Theatre? From now and forever. Now and forever, Matt. We know all about it. Yes, I'm, you know, I'm from this area and those ads, do you guys know the TV ads? Oh yeah, we know them well. Yeah, so those ads, those television ads used to air every day, like so many times that I could quote, you know, cats. 
now and forever at the Winter Garden Theater. You know, I could quote <laughs> the costumes that. are unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> so I had seen it. You know, I had seen. I was very familiar with the show. I'd seen the show, and I knew some of the songs, and I knew what it looked like too. Like I remember sitting in the theater and having like weirdos and leotards <laughs> and cat costumes running around. You know, and this was such a bizarre way to approximate it because it they just looked so surreal yeah. and unnatural mm. and you know it, it just looked very very strange just from the very first minute so my first reaction was like just absolute shock and and dismay and just <laughs> and it, that just never let up for the whole time that the movie was going i just i just sat there with my jaw on the floor and occasionally just laughing hysterically because i just couldn't believe what i was watching yeah yeah w- was that feeling of dismay was that because we've, we've talked a lot on this podcast series about, you know, the feeling of ickiness or eeriness that descends when you're watching something by David Lynch and how, even though it's a very uncomfortable feeling, it's quite pleasurable to be taken like that, you know, it's uh, to, to be affected so deeply by something that's pretend. Uh, did you enjoy the dismay that you felt while you were watching Cats? Ah, enjoy is an interesting question. Um, I guess the thing, the part of it that I enjoyed, I would say, is just kind of like what you guys were saying earlier, that the movie is so unusual Mm. in that it is so dismaying. And you're comparing this to David Lynch. (laughs) And here we are, again, talking about a $100 uh, million-ish, you know, based on a hugely popular Broadway musical that ran forever and ever, was like the longest-running show for a long time, held the record. And to be compared to these things, like, this is just so unusual that, you know, like, I don't know who once said it about what movie, but there's like a famous line about a movie that, you know, this movie wasn't released. It escaped. And that's mm. kind of how mm. Cats feels. Um, it feels like a like a grand and glorious mistake. It just doesn't. This doesn't happen. It doesn't happen with movies that are this big. Usually when a movie that is this big and it's bad, it's because it's boring mm. and it's been you know, it's been test marketed and uh, the studio executives have given notes and they've chopped all the interesting stuff out of it. And what's left is just kind of a very generic, bland, boring thing. Yep. None of those words apply to cats. It is, you know, no studio executive would be like, you know, make them more nightmarish, make it more like a David Lynch film. No studio executive would be like, we don't ever want there to be any dialogue at all. We don't want there to be any human beings. No studio executive would be like, is there a way that we could have the cats flying at any point? Is that possible? Is there a way that Judy Dench could have her wedding ring the whole film? You know, like all those sorts of things. No, those are not like sensible, rational choices. Like those are the, those are, those are not things a studio executive would say. So yeah, it is, it's pretty unusual and wonderful. And so on that level, the fact that it exists at all, I would say I enjoyed it. Do I enjoy watching it in a traditional way? I mean, not really. More in a train train wreck, uh, car crash, can't look away sort of way. Yeah, yeah, which is, which is totally valid, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and the more I watched the movie, the more I would see weird things that just didn't look right at all. Like one of the things that's because... Because everything in the foreground is so horrifying. You're just, your eyes are glued to the main characters. But I would urge you, if you watch it again, mm-hmm. to like look to the background. Look yep. to the borders. And you yep. Yep. To the borders, to the mm-hmm. edges, to the deep Look to the, to the feet. Edge. 
if you think the main characters look weird, <laughs> just imagine how weird the characters that they didn't think people would be looking at look. <laughs> you know, like, and the the one thing that always cracks me up is like, they're anytime they're outside, you know, they're in that weird set where there's no human beings, mm-hmm. um, and everything is. All the ads are about cat-related yeah, things. that fucks me up, too. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, like, we were joking, I think, before we started recording, but, like, maybe it is, like, a post-apocalyptic movie set, like, five years from right now. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> Get me a little nervous. Do you know what I think? Uh, I think they wanted it to look this way because they wanted to capture the feeling that you felt, Matt, when you went to the Winter Garden Theatre and you <laughs> sat down and these men and women in lycra started crawling around behind you in the dark and slinking up next to you and rubbing their faces against you i think (laughs) i think that's what they wanted to achieve feeling wise and the only way they could do that was by saying fuck the uncanny valley let's let's dig down deeper into the earth's crust (laughs) the uncanny mariana trench (laughs) i can't disprove that theory i have i can't I can't argue with it. I mean, I guess you would think it would be relatively easy to make someone look like a cat. You know, they can make dinosaurs in Jurassic World and make them look so real that you're convinced you're looking at a, at a dinosaur. Why can't, Why couldn't they make cats that look vaguely cat-like like, or not terrifying? Like, that's it shouldn't have been that hard. I don't know why it was such a failure. Over the course of our investigations, we've uh, we've come to a few conclusions. Um, we've kind of uh, realised that maybe if they just made the noses little black cat noses, that probably would have gone a long way to uh, <laughs> making the faces a little less. You know, like when you face paint a child at a party or something like that, yeah. and they want to look like a tiger. The first thing you do is draw a little black circle on the end of their nose, yeah. and then some mm-hmm. little whisker dots next to their yeah. nose there. And they look like a fucking tiger. Yeah. If I if I was walking home at night and a little alley cat came up and rubbed itself against my leg and then I looked down and it had a human nose, I would probably start vomiting violently. I mean, I guess the thing is, I don't I would love to know like and I don't know this. This is something you should investigate. It's like did they show them concept art of here's what you're going to look like Taylor Swift as a cat. Well, uh, actually, Matt, um, you are not going (laughs) to believe this, but today, maybe an hour before we started Skyping with you, we have actually, well, it's look, this is months and months (laughs) of work in, in the making here. We've been DMing every single person in the cast for this movie forever on Instagram you know, just everyone. I'm talking stars. I'm talking Serene McKellen, who doesn't check his DMs, I don't think. <laughs> Idris Elba, uh, Rebel, Corden, Robbie Fairchild. No all, one took the bait. No one. No one has replied. People have seen them. No one has replied. One person replied. Mm. And we got to speak to them today. And that person is Stephen McRae. Skimbleshanks, the railway cat. The rail... Like, I don't know that Skimbleshanks is the rail... (laughs) (laughs) The cat of the railway train. Hi, guys. My name's Stephen McRae, and I'm a principal dancer with the Royal Ballet in London. (laughs) I recently played the role of Skimbleshanks in the Hollywood film Cats. Yes! 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 
Skimble Shanks the Railway Cat. <laughs> how, how, how long did it take to film your number? Uh, my number was done really quickly. It was almost one of the last scenes to be filmed. That was done probably over four, four days or something. It's a showstopper, man. It's it's my favorite part of the movie. Yep. I love it. Ah, I could watch Tap Dance <laughs> forever. It's so much fun to watch. I'll even forgive the fact that you guys are dancing on a rail <laughs> and you're about a third the size of an actual cat. <laughs> and then when a mouse runs past, it's about the size of a flea. Um, I'll forgive that because the dancing is so good. <laughs> Do they give you guys some... Um, some like pre-visualization of what you'd look like when the when the characters were finished. Yeah, so I I got to see uh, basically from my shoulders up. I got to see what I would look like um, with all my fur. So I knew I would have a mustache and and, and all this sort of stuff. Um, they based all the coloring of my cat on my own coloring, to be honest. So mm. I think that was an easier job for them. In terms of makeup, I didn't have any makeup on. They literally just drew these visual effect dots on me each morning, oh, and cool. that was it. I didn't have to have anything else. Um, so they just used my own <laughs> ginger coloring. And um, <laughs> in terms of the costume, obviously, I had the red trousers on every day on set. So yeah. that made the spe- special effects uh, team their life a little bit easier when they were having to you know, work on me. So my feet yeah. and legs are mine, basically. Yeah, yeah. that's all um, covered, so they don't have to put fur all over your body. Yeah, as yeah. Opposed I mean, there to, are, like, there are the occasional, others. I got comments from people saying, why is Skimbleshank's got an iPhone in his pocket and stuff like this? They they could see, like, a bump in my leg or something, and and that was battery packs <laughs> and CGI packs and things like that, <laughs> that unfortunately... <laughs> We've spoken to a couple of dancers on this project and they've brought to mind a couple of ideas that, you know, us two Luddites had never really considered before, which is that um, dance or movement is a type of storytelling. What do you what do you think about mm. that? Yeah. Well, without sounding like incredibly corny or cliche, you can really look at dance as a universal language. You, know, you can move your body and that will communicate with every single human on this planet. Mm. There are no language barriers with dance. And you can communicate a huge amount just simply by the way you're standing. You know, if you're having a discussion with someone and your arms are crossed, it says so much straight away. So obviously Mm -hmm. in the world of dance, you know, working with clever choreographers and obviously great artists, you can convey a whole story, a whole world of emotion simply by, you know, the way you offer your hand to the ballerina or, Mm. you know, the simple way that you raised your shoulders slightly as you looked at somebody or, you know, there are so many little tiny little things, which I guess probably is quite, you know, it's looking at animal primal instincts, really. It's the way that they would react to things. And that just carries on, I guess, with evolution. So dance is, you know, it's a universal language. I'm very much someone that's lived kind of from the neck up my whole life uh, and not had a lot of mastery over my body. <laughs> so, so, but I imagine, I imagine, you know, you go through life very differently having such poise and control over every part of your body. Does that, does that give you a sense of empowerment? Yeah, I think it's fascinating. You can, like, I can walk down the street. Most of the time you can, you can tell who has done some sort of dance training or, 
you know, their their fitness focused or something like that, simply just by the way that they they hold themselves. Mm. It's quite a you know an empowering you know skill to have, I guess you would say it is, just to be able to stand there and look confident in your own skin. You're not like you know all shriveled up and you know con- conscious of how you look. You just here I am. This is what I am, and take it or, or leave it. <laughs> Oh, I've seen your Instagram photos. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even just as you were doing a, an impression just then of what an insecure person looks like, <laughs> I realised that both of us were sitting in the exact way that you were <laughs> that you were mimicking. <laughs> Pull your shoulders back. <laughs> In in recent years, I've gotten into dance just by going to events, and it's a art form that I had no experience with. It was very alien to me, but I didn't expect to be so emotionally caught up in it. And I felt it. It was similar to when I started getting into silent film, when it's it, 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 the, the expressionistic aspect of it conveys so much more mm. and such a deeper resonant emotion than maybe speaking those emotions could. Yeah, and I think also when you combine like really good dance with really good music, then you have the mm. perfect cocktail. People purely just want to be entertained. They want to be able to right. smile. They want to feel a bit of a rush through their body. They want to feel like their foot's tapping along with the music. And dance can really offer people that. You know, you watch all those brilliant classics with Fred Astaire and Gene Kelly and stuff. Mm. Yeah. You, just, you just want to get up and dance. Oh, yeah, 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 Bob Fosse. Absolutely. What is about? Yeah, mm. I watched. Um, well, actually, I watched Singing in the Rain recently, and I had that experience. And then I watched a bunch of your clips, Stephen, of you tap dancing. And right. I don't know if I'm alone in this, but anytime I'm watching tap dance, I think that I'm doing it. <laughs> I start moving my legs and my feet like, yeah, I'm doing this, sort of. I'm in time. <laughs> it's the same thing when I'm watching people on the drums or, you know. <laughs> well, I'm air tapping when I'm watching you perform, man. We are in awe of physical performance yeah, because absolutely. you have such poise and control where I feel like for those of us who just talk for a job, the only way we get to express ourselves is by going louder or quieter, you know what I mean? <laughs> And you can just tell a whole story and, as you mentioned earlier, like the raise of your shoulders or something. Yeah. Mm. But surely you guys know this, that, you know, the power of silence. Oh, you know, yeah. If you can just stand there in silence, that can say more than yeah. anything. Well, we're comedians. We know it a little bit too well. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> Standing there in too much silence makes you die on a cellular level. <laughs> So, when you dance, um, because, you know, I think, like, from our experience doing comedy, there's definitely nights where you get into a flow state. When you're dancing, like, are you conscious of, you know, oh, the next step coming up is the thing I have to do, or are you just in total flow state? Yeah, it's, you summed it up perfectly. You know, some nights it just, it just happens and it just flows. You feel so at ease with it all. And then other times, obviously, when we know that film, uh, you know, performances are being recorded for DVDs or for live cinema relays and things mm. like that, you then perform in a different way, which, you know, you shouldn't because it should be exactly the same. But, um, mm. you know, you don't really have that abandonment that you might have when you were just doing a normal show that wasn't being recorded. Mm. It must be a little bit different, too, when you're filming something like Cats where you're doing multiple takes and I don't know if if you guys did the whole dance sequences in full or did you break them down? 
either way, it must have been a very strange experience. Yeah, so everything, you know, all the singing was done live on set. So that was that was the exhausting element because I had never sung in my life. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, so, my God. That's uh, I, crazy. You know, the vocal coach was incredible. She knew, obviously, me being a dancer, and she'd worked with a lot of dancers, uh, how dancers use their body. And the way we breathe as a dancer is the complete opposite of what you need when you're singing. You know, oh, dancers are always dude. pulling their stomachs in, and singers need to do the opposite and let it out. Mm. So she was very good at using visualization things with us. And she's like, you know, when you do this particular step, imagine doing that, but with your voice and all this sort of stuff. So that really helped, I think, having an understanding of you know, how a body moves. I actually wanted to ask you, uh, when it comes to dancing on film as opposed to dancing in the theatre or live, do you think that is it very difficult to keep it pure? Does something get lost in translation with the editing and the cinematography? How did you find that watching yourself being cut like a MTV music video? Yeah, I think what I like about live theatre is... You know, I'm a bit of a control freak. So when it is live (laughs) theatre, I have control over what's going on. So it's up to me how the audience see me, because it's up to me to put myself where I want to put myself. Mm. Whereas obviously with film, unless I'm the one editing it, I have no control over that. So that can be really difficult, obviously, to watch yourself. And you would naturally choose perhaps a different camera angle or... You know, I wouldn't cut away at that moment or maybe I'd go wide angle there or whatever just because I've trained my whole life to dance and I've obviously had to look at myself in the mirror every day since the age of seven. So I've learned how to look at my own body. (laughs) So that can be really difficult when you're, you're watching dance on film. But then you can do incredible things with film that you can't do in a live show. So, you know, I think there are there are incredible things with both and you know i can understand why actors still like to do live stage shows as well as their big hollywood blockbusters because you can i feel like you can play around more when you're you're filming because obviously you have a hundred chances to get it right um you can do things in a film that you can't do on a live show so i think it's incredible in, in both worlds I think from our perspective watching the film, you know, the editing might be a little bit too frenetic. I think I would, personally, I would have liked to have seen the camera locked down a bit more. Yeah, a lot of people have said to me that they enjoyed my number because they could see the number. So they, (laughs) I think they chose a lot of angles where you could see, you know, the whole of the dancing or you could see a wide angle shot of the whole group dancing. Um, Which obviously in those big show numbers, that's really what you need um unless you're going up close on my feet when i'm going 100 miles an hour or something but yeah i don't know about the other scenes perhaps that might have helped as well i don't know but for for my big showy number i think that's part of the reason why um i i liked what they did with it and i think people have enjoyed it as well Uh, feline training is that something you had to do the cast uh, did a lot of cat school before i actually turned up on set because i turned up later on set um, but I did do a few sessions of cat school um, with the team there, and it was fascinating because we had to watch, you know, videos and things and learn a bit about the anatomy just so that, um, which, again, the idea was not to look like a cat. <laughs> yeah. But if you did occasionally just do the little quirk that was cat-like, 
uh, I guess it was like just nodding your hat to to the fact that yeah we are basically cats but we're still human. What, what was there a, was there a brief <laughs> given to you guys about the movement because it, it you know it would be it seems like it would be easier to go full cat or just human. Was it up to you to decide what flourishes you introduced into your performance? Yeah, there was a lot of freedom for, for you individually to, you know, to add and do things. And uh, we had a lady on set that um, was very much in charge of cat school. So sometimes after a take, she would just pop onto the set and say, you know, at this moment, could you just, you know, do this or this or this? It would just look a little bit more cat-like. Um, oh, my God. Whereas at the times you do something and it was just blatantly <laughs> obvious that you're a human, so you can't <laughs> try and be a cat. Like, when I arrive on set for my number, I'm not even trying to be a cat. I'm, like, a showman. You know? yeah, yeah. So uh, it was just finding the right time to, to, to put it in, but, you know. The right time to rub your head affectionately against someone's chest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did you get the role of Skimble Shanks? Yeah, I was approached um, to just have a discussion about doing a particular role. And uh, they said, like, can you sing? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had to learn this particular, I had to learn the Skimble Shanks song and just turn up and there was, you know, the director and the choreographer and the music director and this representative, that representative. There was a whole panel of people. Oh, my God. And uh, just hmm. have a go. They just said, just let's just see. We're not going to waste each other's time. Just have a go. Open your mouth. See if it can work. And so I just, yeah, I just opened my mouth and <laughs> sold it as if I was, you know, like in fame or something. <laughs> <laughs> were you shitting yourself during this audition or did you just surrender to the process? Because it sounds very intimidating. You know, they, they called me. I didn't call them. I had met the director many years previously. He and his family are very big fans of the Opera House. And, you know, he has come in and watched me rehearse a lot and things like that. Uh, so he knew me as a dancer. Mm-hmm. So I, I knew that they were looking for something, but obviously I needed to sing. So that was an element <laughs> that was the huge unknown. Uh, so anyway, I just went for it and it was, it was such a liberating experience. I have to say the audition because I had nothing to lose. You know, I was purely there for a good challenge to be honest. And yeah, then a few days later I got the call saying, saying yes, like, would you like to do <laughs> the role of Skimble Shanks wow. uh, in, in Cats? So, uh, you know, it was, I was delighted. And that's when the real work started because I had to sing obviously live on set. So, but, my Aussie accent came out really strong, apparently, when I started singing. And, uh, <laughs> really? Yeah, Skimbo just... Shanks, the fucking <laughs> railway cat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I went from that, apparently, to, uh, like, someone from the Bronx, apparently. So, you know, I, I probably ended up sounding South African in the end. For all I, I don't know. <laughs> in the stage show, Skimble Shanks is Scottish. Right. And... The song is all about the Northern train and all this sort of stuff. So there were multiple discussions of should he be Scottish? Should he oh just be God. Northern English? Uh, if he's Northern, where in the North of England? Because there are so many different accents. Yeah. So I had a dialect coach as well to oh, teach me all these different dialects. 
and then obviously to try and sing with this dialect and I was learning how to speak correct English because certain words that I would say with an Australian twang altered, <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, but it, it altered where my tongue sat in my mouth. Yeah. So I had to learn where to put my tongue just to say a certain word while thinking, <laughs> hang on, which accent am I doing? And I've got to try and hit that note as well. Um, to the point where I literally, I bit my tongue sometimes when I was singing. <laughs> this is insane, man. I cannot, I can't even believe that, that you were singing for the first time in an accent that's not your own while you were dancing multiple times. Yeah, so the first time I had to open my mouth on set was in front of Dame Judy Dench. Good oh, Lord. Come on. <laughs> what the fuck? Just to add a little extra pressure. It was so daunting to just stand there and sing this song with all of them looking going, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> <laughs> So what did you, like, be honest, what what do you think of Cats? Do you think, not the movie, the stage show, do you think that it's it's beautiful or do you think it's insane or both? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, to be honest, the, the whole concept of it is, is bonkers. It's, <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it, it's up to you to decide, hang on, are we watching Cats who think they're humans? Are we watching humans just dressed up as cats? <laughs> yeah. Like, what yeah. are we actually watching here? And yeah. uh, I think that's always been open for the audience to decide whether that's the stage show or the film. Yeah. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, you know what you're getting into when you go watch a musical, whether it's on stage or on film, called Cats. Very true. Either way, even if it was completely CGI'd like Lion King, you'd still have a cat that was singing and dancing, or you've yeah. got a human who looks a bit like a cat singing and dancing. So you know what you're in for before you go. Um, and I think just accepting that it's bonkers is the way to go. <laughs> I think you can have some idea of what you're in for. We had no idea what we were in for. It was it was something close to a psychedelic experience because yeah. we had no prior experience with cats on any level, and we were lucky enough to go to the Sydney premiere, and okay. um, we you know had a few glasses of bubbly and slid in, and oh, it was. Yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, I think uh, it was a fever dream. The only thing I would say is that when I saw Cats on Broadway, my reaction was not as much dismay and horror as it was just boredom. You know, oh, like yeah. I remember, I remember uh, seeing it and just thinking, "This is the worst Broadway show I've ever seen." Uh, I know, I know that people love Cats. I didn't have that reaction. I mean, I was a, you know, a 15 year old boy, so I, I just, I it didn't really grab me. Other than you know, when there was people actually dressed as cats, kind of pawing at me. <laughs> like it just didn't it didn't do it for me and the movie i just find so much more rich and strange yeah. and bizarre yeah. that i i if you said well we can you can go sit in the winter garden theater and we're going to put on cats or we're going to show the movie of cats in my local theater no question. I would pick the movie 10 times out of 10. I would rather yeah. be horrified yeah. than bored. The, the, the movie is much more of an emotional roller coaster than the, the, the play. Uh, there's all sorts of emotions that one feels from uh, euphoria to, you know, bile rising in your throat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> having, having seen the musical as a young man, um, what was your reaction when you heard that they were making this into a film? Did you think it was absolute folly, you know, adapting a, a musical that has no plot or linear story at all? 
It did strike me as a a challenge. It didn't seem like a, a slam dunk of a movie mm-hmm. uh, because, as you say, there's no story. And in fact, they I, the movie is almost again, another aspect that makes it so much weirder is that they really kind of try to give it more of a story mm-hmm. with all of the all of the cats auditioning and then being teleported mm-hmm. and kidnapped. McCavity. Cat. McCavity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Like they're all naked, but for some reason Idris Elba seems especially oh, naked. Yeah. I don't know what it is. It's because you can see his when, muscles. Yeah. You can see his abs and his like glute muscles. Yeah. And he's in the scene with Taylor Swift, who's yeah. more bold. like they gave her like kind of like cat boobs. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, and, yeah. The jiggle. And she's wearing high heels yeah. and she's like slinking around, very, very sort of you know, dancing kind of suggestively. This is a very troubling scene in general. That whole sequence I find very worrying yeah and they keep singing about how he's committed every human crime (laughs) you just think about all of the the, all of the the uh the the, you know that covers a lot of ground saying every Every crime crime. yeah you know you just think about him being that naked and looking like that you just think there's a lot of terrible things this cat might have done totally totally. if i got put in a cell with a naked cat who had committed every crime known to man i wouldn't be boogieing down with that guy (laughs) i remember because like i i saw it you know literally i saw it you know 20 plus years ago so my memory of it was foggy (laughs) and i remember asking someone who was more familiar like did, did was there like teleporting kidnapping cats in, in the show? And they were like, whoever I spoke to after the screen was like, no, I don't know where. That <laughs> nope. Was there a scene with Ray Winston hanging out in a barge, hissing at people? <laughs> yeah, what's with all the what's with the barge? <laughs> that's a very that's a very bizarre sequence, right? When they kill Growl Tiger and all the cats are using their special powers to get him closer and closer to the edge of the plank. Yes, the teamwork between all, and it's funny because it's like all the celebrity cats, all the famous actors yeah. who they, you know, you know, they, they must have had limited schedules with them, and it was just like, <laughs> how do we get them all? Okay, just everyone, just stand over to this side, real quick. We're going to film this one scene while we have you all here together. <laughs> There is a sequence in the film, it's probably the most bizarre sequence of the whole film, where you are on a barge with <laughs> the cr- most insane collection of actors. and perform- yeah. I believe you are on a barge with Idris Elba, Taylor Swift, Ray Winston, Sir Ian McKellen, Dame Judi Dench, Rebel Wilson, and James Corden. That's, is that, that's correct. correct, right? Yeah. That's fucking crazy, Holy man. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. Tell us so about you can that day. In my face, the day, because we never knew really what was going on from day to day. So each morning you would arrive, and you would arrive into your trailer, and there would be a cast list of who was on set that day. Oh, good God. And I turned up and saw that cast list, plus my name at the bottom, thinking. <laughs> What is going on here? <laughs> I genuinely thought it was some sort of prank or something. Oh my and, god, it's um, incredible! Yeah, yeah I turned up on set, and there we all were, and it was the most surreal, bizarre experience of my life. They said, "Right, we need to tie you up now, up, up against this, you know, pipe or whatever." Is that okay? Yeah, sure. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) If it's going to work for Judy Dench, then I'll do that. That's fine. (laughs) Oh, my God. I watched Judy Dench in this movie, and she's on, like, another level. I feel like she's almost talking directly to me. Maybe it is all the alcohol I'm having when I'm watching this movie, (laughs) but it almost feels like she's kind of 
speaking to to the audience in a way that's almost with a wink. Oh, absolutely, uh, absolutely. We, 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 so, we've argued that her and Suri and uh, and probably Idris are operating on a level where they're fully aware that they're in a, a Dada nightmare. <laughs> yeah, you know, I always, I actually find Ian McKellen kind of touching in his in his scene. Yeah. I actually think he's like the only one who kind of almost pulls it off. Like yep. he's giving like a legitimately like sweet performance. Every time that, 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 that his song comes on, I'm like, this is actually like in another movie I could almost see thinking, this is good. This is a, uh, this is, this is, this is cats. This is why people enjoyed this in the first place. It's like very sweet and touching. We were on set one day and it was Surrey and McKellen's scene. And he does, it's basically a monologue that's, mm. that's, that's sung. And yeah. he we know must it have well. filmed that for about three days. And obviously it's just him. So we basically got to sit around and watch him mm. for 12 hours at a time. Just do it again and again and again and again. And it was remarkable. The stamina of him, he was you know, out of this world and never complained, just got up and did it and then did it better and did it better again and <laughs> oh my God. Joke in between and it, it was remarkable really so what was uh, what was he like was he having fun between takes or was he quite serious did he stay as gus the theater cat the <laughs> entire time or, or did he become ian oh, to be honest i felt like he was gus the theater cat oh, yeah. it's the perfect <laughs> casting right it's perfect casting <laughs> He's been Gus his entire life. <laughs> but he, you know, again, all of them, they were so relaxed. They would joke around in between sets. They'd joke around when you were filming as well. It was, um, yeah, it was those moments, you know, being able to just sit and listen to someone like Ray Winston talk about little stories about their career and and, and things like that. And for him to be able to just, sit and genuinely want to know about my life and asking me about my children and, and, and what's that like juggling your particular career with them and all this mm-hmm. sort of stuff. And, um, you know, there was a genuine respect for, you know, those of us that work at the Royal Ballet and things like that. A lot of them go to the opera house and watch performances. So it was, it felt wonderful that there was such a mutual respect amongst all the artists um, you know, I had genuine interest in what it is that they were doing and whether they were singers or actors. And, um, you know, from what I could gather, it felt like the, the feeling was mutual when they were with us dancers. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Controversial to say the movie is quite, I think, a little bit camp and crazy and all this stuff. When oh, you yeah. guys, when when you guys were on set, was there an awareness of what you guys were making? That because I know Tom Hooper made Les Mis, which is very prestige and austere and serious, and this project is very different from that. Yeah. Was there an idea of like, oh, we're making the next Oscar-winning picture, Les Mis, or was there this idea of we're making this crazy camp classic? Oh, I think we were all very aware that it was incredibly camp. I mean, yeah. when you walk into the set and, you know, everything is light, like bigger than, you know, larger than life. And, um, you know, we could see what we were going to look like with all the CGI fur and things like that. And, um, you know, I had red suspenders on, so <laughs> you, you, you kind of know where it's going when you're dressed like that. <laughs> Obviously, there's been a lot of backlash against this film. Were you? How did you guys want this to be received by the world? Well, at the end of the day, I think everybody, every human on this planet, embarks on whatever work they're doing, trying to do it the best they possibly can. Yeah. And uh, you know, this was by no means any different. Everybody on set, whether it was the artists or the behind-the-scenes crew or the stage crew, the film crew, costume, every single person was there, like, devoted to it, giving their everything. Yep. And, um, yeah, I just, I think, as I said earlier, it is what it is. It's a bonkers <laughs> oh, yeah. story to start <laughs> off with. And uh, I think you either enjoy that kind of thing or you don't. And uh, I think you need to just step back from it, really, and not take it too seriously. <laughs> yeah, oh, agree. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think that's what we loved about it is that it's – you can tell that everyone from the from the visual artists to the dancers to the singers to the director are giving it everything. Like, mm-hmm. it's a full, complete yep. vision that's yep. ended up on the screen. Nothing about it is half-assed or half-measured. And yeah. that's why I love it yep. because it's just it's just here you go here's what <laughs> we think is fucking great and yeah. watch it and we and I mean we loved it we we had the yeah. best time I'm I think it's probably not insane to say we've watched it like six times each or something yeah. so oh, we're, we're playing it very cool right now but we're very um starstruck by <laughs> skyping with you. <laughs> Well, I've grown the moustache to, like, you know, ode to, to Skimbleshanks, so there you go. <laughs> you need to be very honest with us now, Stephen. What, what was your genuine reaction watching Cats for the first time? Well, before it started, when I sat down in my chair, I felt sick. For some reason. <laughs> again, again, you have no control whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, you're about to sit there and watch you yourself on this huge screen in front of 
you know, so much of Hollywood (laughs) (laughs) royalty and all this sort of stuff. Um, I'd never heard myself sing before, so I knew I was about to listen to this for the first time (laughs) in front of all these people. Um, Bearing in mind, like, you have Jennifer Hudson and people like that in the cast that are literally some of the greatest singers that have ever walked the planet. Um, So, yeah, I felt sick. And then I think once it started and I sort of... I didn't. I don't arrive in the film until about half an hour into the film, or forty minutes into the film. So I think by the time I had arrived, I'd relaxed enough to think, okay, I see where this is sort of going. Um, you know, the, the audience at the premiere were great. They were. It was full of all the, the stars of the film and all their supporters and people like that. Uh, so it was a very lively audience. People laughing and screaming and cheering along and stuff. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Um, and so, yeah, it was wonderful when I got to my number. I felt like people had um, sort of loosened up enough to just go, okay, we are watching something yeah. that is way out there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, I guess the tap came at the right time. So they they just went with it. It was kind of, it was an amazing experience to be it must It must have been wonderful to be in a theatre filled with people that were on board because when we saw it, it was definitely me and Cameron were screaming and clapping after each number mm. and cheering and giving standing ovations. <laughs> but I think we were irritating everyone else more than we were yeah. um, getting them on board with it. <laughs> yeah, I think we were with a big audience of theatre fans who who just kind of thought that's not what you do yeah. when you watch <laughs> yeah. theatre. You need to get yourself to one of these rowdy screenings they've got in America. Yeah, absolutely. Well, once all this lockdown stuff, uh, you know, comes back, we'd love to maybe start one of our own, I think. What's what's the what's what's the goal here? Are we going to be able to do a live show? Yeah, you know, I really could see a community building around this. Can you imagine a ten o'clock screening at the Orpheum in that seven hundred seat theatre with everyone prowling around as cats, hooting and cheering and singing along? It would be just spectacular. I would love it. Yeah, it'd be fucking amazing. Yeah, that right? would be excellent. It, yeah. it, it was sad that there were people there thinking it was something else mm. i just didn't want to annoy the sad people who were not getting what they wanted <laughs> by me because it's like it's like me standing at an accident with someone who's run over and their family standing there staring <laughs> at them and i'm going whoa yeah and cheering and, clapping <laughs> and meowing at the accident people don't want to have that happen to them so i felt bad for those people <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but yeah, I, I, I think if I was allowed to watch it with people who wanted to enjoy it as I do, yeah, it'd be excellent. So your official opinion of the film is it sucks? Sucks. But I, I would I did watch it thinking, I think it will move into room territory. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there will become mm-hmm. a cult hit and it will, there will be a there will be midnight screening mm-hmm. so you can go along and yep. you can yell people out. People dress yeah, up. Yeah, the, the, people dress mm-hmm. up. There's, there'll be technology you can project just shitty CGI onto <laughs> your own face. <laughs> Snapchat your own face in <laughs> real like, time. Uh, the, yeah, and people will be like, oh, I'm Skimble Shanks. Um, yeah, I think that's the that's the area it will move into where yeah. it's like so bad that it's enjoyable. And do you think you could enjoy it in that context? I don't think so. No. Do you think it has a future as like a midnight movie? And it I makes it sense will. for this movie to be that. I think it will. I felt the same magic watching it as I do like the room yeah. or other yeah. bad movies like that. Yeah. 
If it were an established institution like, say, The Room. Sure. Also, they do it with, like, uh, Sound of Music and stuff like that and Rocky Horror where you yell stuff out mm. and there's, like, certain cues yeah. and it's a group. And, so, yeah, I think I yeah. would, would be able to do that. But I watched it sober, alone, <laughs> on a Saturday night. <laughs> on a Saturday night. So, like, the circumstances kind of uh, contributed to the feelings of, you know, disgust for the movie, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Do you think there's so enough... So, what are you saying? It's not Cats' fault? I didn't no, like it's not, it. it's never Cats' yeah. fault. Yeah. No <laughs> it's no only way. the viewer's fault, ever. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, you are kind of living our dream at the moment, uh, Matt. Uh, you know, because we, 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 unlike you, we did not go in with any kind of pre-knowledge. We went in totally blind, knowing nothing. We were blind when we were born. Yeah, but... yeah. <laughs> And um, there were several moments where we would involuntarily shriek, not and not performatively, genuinely out of horror and had our realities just rocked and shaken and kind of have been pushing this idea of how it would be a great midnight movie and a new Rocky Horror and all this kind of stuff. You're really spearheading that at the moment, right? Well, at the moment, maybe not, but uh, <laughs> I certainly, before uh, there was a global pandemic, uh, yes, we. I was definitely fortunate enough to be um, witness to some of the first midnight screenings of Cats uh, here in Brooklyn, in New York City, and uh, I, 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 I definitely think that we were on the verge of a major... Uh, a, a huge new cult phenomenon at midnight, you know, at least here in America, I don't yep. think there's been any movie that had more midnight potential than cats since the room. I think, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the room. Yeah. But, um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So to me, it's like that. This is the best uh, uh, midnight movie that's come along since then. And, and that was 2005 ish. Yep. So it's, you know, it's about 15 years since we've had something this demented that um, <laughs> I felt really, really just hit the sweet spot of what you want, everything you would want in a midnight movie. A great midnight movie, I feel like it, it needs to have sort of a, a quality of. Is what I'm watching really happening before my eyes? You know, there's sort of a, a disbelief. You know, the, the idea of watching something very late at night is it lends itself to the notion of am I awake or am I dreaming? And and am I watching something real or am I drunk or stoned or a, a half asleep? Yep. And so all the greatest midnight movies have all had that very surreal, strange, hypnotic quality and and that is something that cat certainly has a great deal of but it's crazy because not only is it does it hit all those sweet spots but it is a mainstream piece of cinema Mm. starring a-listers and directed by an academy award director that i feel like that never happens yeah that is true that's a good point yes the the room was uh made by a, a guy who self-funded his weird, demented movie using God only knows where he found the money. And this, this is a huge, you know, theoretically a, a tentpole film, a Christmas release yeah. by, I believe, Universal. The big thing that I really like doing, and I, I don't know that I, I can say that I started it, but I kind of grasped on it and I was really enjoying doing it every time I went, was uh, when Judy, Judy Dench's uh, old Deuteronomy would come on the screen. We would kind of give it almost like a like a cheering for a sports team kind of feel so like she would show up and we'd start screaming like big dude 
Duke. Oh, Duke. You know, let's go Duke. Here we go Duke. Big Duke. Stuff like that. That kind of, um, that became kind of a thing that I really enjoyed a lot. Uh, just because, you know, how often do you get to do that in a movie? Was it, is, um, is, there, is there any kind of group reaction when she uh, turns and stares down the barrel of the camera directly into the audience's face? Like at the end of the movie, yeah, when yeah, the addressing of the cat, explaining how you know a cat is not a yeah, dog. Yep. I mean, if anyone has their sanity at that point, I mean, people seem to really laugh really hard at that because you've sat through two hours of this movie and like, what's the message? A cat is not a dog. And it's like <laughs> to go on this journey and to like have the summarizing the the like the exclamation point on the sentence be that people just flip out. Yeah. The other, oh, the other, you know what? There, the other thing people that really were enjoying doing at, at some of the screenings was, you know, uh, when uh, when Jennifer Hudson would start singing, you know, or she would be like, there would be boogers dribbling out of her nose. <laughs> people would scream things like, you know, she's won, she won an Oscar, you know, things like that. <laughs> this woman won an Oscar. <laughs> As she's, you know, sitting there with the poor thing has like, you know, snot coming down her face. And you're just... <laughs> the one the, the thing that always kind of weirds me out in the movie when they're shown is like their tails, yeah. the CGI tails. Yeah. yeah. You know, like like when you watch clips of the Broadway show, it's like people in leotards and they're wearing like little tails. They're like, yeah. just like yeah. you know. They're just like little furry, little costumey tails. And in the movie, they're like prehensile yeah. a little bit. Yeah. There's like one scene where they all kind of like stick straight oh, up. At the same we, we know, we know at the Jellicle Ball where they, yeah, where they yeah, all look that, like they're coming. Yeah, we know. You know, I've seen when you see that scene at one of these midnight screenings, and the entire audience erupts in a combination of pleasure and absolute disgust <laughs> it really is a magical that is one of those like the magic of cats like that is magic well, the, 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 the fact that uh, the movie can elicit genuine it, like like physical reactions from people yeah. that's not nothing that is something <laughs> <laughs> think that there's any um that do you think that tom hooper and the cast and the rest uh deriving any pleasure from the fact that people are enjoying it maybe not for the reason that they made the film but you know there is a huge fan base for this film and um you know we've argued a lot on this pod that you know it ha if it weren't so surreal and if it weren't so weird it would be forgotten by now um so do you think that they take any solace from that that, that there are those of us that love this movie I, I think there's, I mean, I'm sure there's some, I, I, you guys mentioned you've spoken to a couple of people. I would, I mean, I'd be curious to know, I, I, Tom Hooper, I don't, I, I have no idea, you know, like the director kind of bears the brunt of the, you know, the blame or responsibility. And so theoretically we're looking at his vision, mm. which is a chilling thought to ponder. <laughs> uh, so I don't know that, I don't know how much he might be enjoying people kind of actively you know, laughing and just turning it into this giant, bizarre celebration. I'd have to think some of the actors would, would enjoy it because it feels like at least some of them are kind of in on it on the screen. So, so Stephen, we're here near the end of our journey, and since you're the only person we've spoken to that was actually on set, can you tell us what do you think Cats is about? <laughs> American Idol for cats. <laughs> <Except> <laughs>
instead of getting a, a record deal, you get to move on to the next life. So what does that mean to you? Does that, do you mean that, does that mean a reincarnated into as a different beast or as a different cat? Yeah. Well, you know, you could say, again, it's up to each person to interpret that as it, as it is. And, you know, my cat being in charge of the railway train, which, you know, obviously he's not, because he's a cat, but obviously he must dream of coming back as, you know, the person that is actually in charge as a conductor. of the train. From the, from the lyrics of the song, it seems Skimble Shanks is more to do with delaying the train than running the train. Let's be honest, Stephen, please. He's a very self-important cat. Oh, yeah, we, I'm aware. You can't wear a curled moustache like that without some self-seriousness. <laughs> what, that, that's actually, that, that, that might be a good seg to ask. We ask everyone, what, like, do you think that there is a meaning to cats or a plot to cats? You know, or is it literally just cat suicide cult auditioning to die? I mean, that's, I mean, it, it seems like that is the plot. I mean, in terms of the plot, that, that is the movie's plot is these cats are auditioning to, yeah, I get to be, I guess, get a new life. I, I, I mean, it's, you know, we can be cynical and teasing and say that they're sacrificing this cat, they're killing this cat. But I guess the idea is the cat's going to be reborn, mm-hmm. I think. But in terms of a meaning, I have no idea. I I couldn't possibly attempt to to extract some sort of thought <laughs> <laughs> is making me laugh. Some sort of higher meaning, <laughs> some sort of uh, thematic cohesion um, from 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 it. I feel like the meanings are all metatextual. They're all about. Um, the folly of of special effects and the folly of <laughs> thinking that something that's successful in one medium will automatically translate to another and the folly of, um, you know, people who've made musicals and had great success in the past thinking that, well, it's just another movie musical. They'll have great success this time. Like, those are the meanings. <laughs> They're all outside of the film. Well, then if we're going metatextual with it, Matt, maybe the meaning is what you were doing in those midnight screenings. 100%. Maybe, maybe the meaning is community it's coming together and laughing and howling and dancing and screaming and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) vomiting and drinking together maybe that's absolutely it's all about yes i think that's actually a very lovely way to look at it yeah having you know coming together like the cats and celebrating and having a party and then finding someone in the crowd and, and sacrificing them. And, uh, <laughs> did I not mention that someone is sacrificed at every one of the screenings? I might've forgotten. You definitely <laughs> forgot to mention that. A lot of you have had your own theories about what cats is about and what it means. And I just want to say you've all been wrong, but that's, <laughs> but that's fine. That's we're all wrong and we're all right. And that's, what's beautiful about this. So obviously right now we can't all gather together in the Jellicle alley and rub yeah. our heads against each other. Lest we uh, contract some awful thing. I know, but that is the goal, right? That is the goal. When, when the time is right, that we can watch this movie together as yep. a tribe, as a family, <laughs> hopefully soon. If not, maybe there's some digital way we can do it. It's been six months of just ongoing great experiences based on this initial experience. So it's it was never about finding out what Cats was about and always just realising, like, oh, no, the moment was, yeah. what was great. Like, that yeah. night was great. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> 
And like, <laughs> <laughs> that's such a good realization. Yeah. When, you, when you break it down, you're like, why do we like cats so much? And it's like, oh, oh no, we, we, we like had a great hanging time. out with each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny to me that after all this time, the big revelation that we've had is we just really enjoyed hanging out with each other that night. <laughs> And we wanted to figure out why. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it couldn't be that we just really enjoyed each other's companies on that night. It had to be some deep... We need to talk to priests and academics. <laughs> well, man, I, I, I loved hanging out with you and I loved making this podcast. Yeah, man, for sure. Now, let's just go watch some other weird fucking movie and try to figure out what that's about. <laughs> Why is Hats is hosted by Cameron James and Ben Elwood for Sats Pants Radio. Produced and edited by Sean Allen. Yeah. Just, just finally, is there any, uh, are there any uh, on-set stories or little pieces of goss that you would uh, feel comfortable telling us? <laughs> I would never say anything about anyone. <laughs> <laughs> Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 